So whether you work in hospitality in any section, if you make wine, if you own a venue, if you manage a venue, if you're a staff member in a venue, open up these conversations with your staff. Ask what they need. Ask how you can do better. Um, Having the conversations is just the first step. Today on Dirty Linen, we're going to have a big chat about important stuff. Our guest is Jamie Bussard. She is an Adelaide hospitality worker, or she's got lots of different things going on. We'll get into that. Uh, A little while ago, she launched Not So Hospitable, a grassroots hospitality movement highlighting the prevalence of sexual assault, sexual harassment and bullying that fosters a toxic workplace culture, particularly within the Adelaide hospitality community. But so much to learn and grasp for everybody. Jamie, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. You also nailed my last name, so props to that. (laughs) Okay, good. Let's hope that's a good sign. Um, So, well, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, the idea behind Not So Hospitable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Where to begin? So I'm currently studying uh, sexology in my postgrad, which is a combination or the intersection of comprehensive sexuality education, um, sexual therapy, advocacy, um, and policy there and sexual health promotions. Um, so I'm currently studying my postgrad in that. Um, I've also, as you said, I've been, I'm very seasoned, as you could say, within the hospitality scene. I've been working in it. I think my first hospitality job was when I was 13. So I've been working in hospo for years and years. Um, and I have a pretty incredibly vast experience in different sectors of hospo. Um, I've worked in fine dining restaurants. I've worked in clubs, festivals, um, cocktail bars, wine bars, cafes, the whole lot. Um, and yeah, the not so hospitable thing, I guess it, it really started, um, a a month ago, but this has been in the back of my mind, this movement for quite a while, months and months, um, if not years because of, uh, the experience I've had firsthand with, incidences of sexual harassment and assault within the hospitality workplace, if not experiencing it myself, watching people experiencing it um, within the industry. The idea came from, it actually started from an article that was posted a a month ago um, via this online magazine platform called City Mag based in Adelaide. And it was an an article on sexual assault and harassment within the Adelaide hospitality scene specifically. And I read that and automatically felt really drawn to it, really inspired, but at the same time really angry because this is something that I know is a really prevalent issue within Adelaide Hospitality. And it was quite revolutionary for me because this is the first time I've ever seen a media publication or anyone be able to talk about it openly and kind of start that conversation going. Now, when the article came out, it flooded my social media and I, I shared the, the story, um, but I not I also saw so many people within my circles share that same story and actually start vocalizing their own experiences with sexual harassment or assault in the in the workplace in hospitality. And I saw so many people sharing their stories, and I went, "Oh my god, this is the time that I've got to start something that I've been kind of formulating in the back of my mind. Like this is the time to do it because so many people." 
are willing now to share their experiences and talk out about it, but they don't have anywhere to go. And I went, we need some kind of online platform that gives these people a place to talk about it and a place to share their lived experiences and their testimonies of sexual assault and harassment within the workplace. Um, and then I was, I was sick. I was sick at the time. I had the flu. I was at home. So I spent days working on this. Uh, and then about five days later, it was launched. I had the website um, whilst also the social media platform as well on my Instagram page. And it, yeah, it absolutely blew up. Um, it blew up and it's, it's this weird bittersweet feeling because it proved myself right, you know? Um, and it, it, it just showed just by how quickly it grew and how many people started submitting their testimonies, how prevalent it is in the industry. It's just reflective. It's reflective of how bad it is. Um, and yeah, months down the track, here we are having this conversation. Yeah. I mean, as you say, it's, it's, it's empowering, but it's also really disturbing uh, because I suppose if so much of this happens and the impacts sort of, you know, fester and burn in silence. So I guess it does seem that airing these issues, these assaults, these crimes mm. in many cases is super important. But what is your hope? What's your aim that w will come from this? Yeah, well, I guess my immediate objective, uh, I think I have to talk more about my motivation and objective before going into what's next. Um, it was making noise and making a splash and getting people's attention. It was trying to find a way to shine light on just how prevalent this behavior is and this toxicity is within the industry because no one's really cared enough about it until now. There's nothing that's ever really been done um, because everyone's voice and everyone who's experienced these things have been squished down or silenced, right? So my motivation was to raise awareness and and now I've, I've got an awareness because I've, I've there so many media outlets have um, taken interest in this story and I've gotten a lot of interest from government bodies, which has been a really incredible support system that I've gotten. Um, so I guess leading on to what's next is my overall goal is to turn this into an organization where I can educate and I can go into venues and I can facilitate trainings and workshops on what sexual harassment and, and abuse is, how to identify toxic behavior in the workplace, but more importantly, how to report, how to report, how to follow up on a report, how to make sure that report has actually gone through uh, and not just been squished down or silenced and how to offer support to people who've experienced these things and that need that support. Um, I want to, I want to enforce legislative change. You know, I want to go, I want to go as, as far with this as I can. And I want to go all the way to the top, to the government's systems and the ministers that can enact this change. So I'm talking changing uh, responsible person badges. You know, I'm talking about a complete reset of the system. So in order to get a responsible person's badge, you have to go through these trainings on, on sexual assault and sexual harassment in the workplace. 
Um, I want there to be education and workshops and trainings as a part of owning and running a venue within hospitality. I think that's super important. Um, it's, you know, it's a big goal, but it's definitely, we're definitely able to get there. And in my 10 plus years of experience in hospitality in so many different venues, I've never once had any trainings on, on what sexual harassment or workplace uh, assault looks like and how to report and what to do if this happens to you. Um, not once in so many different venues. And so I think that's a really important part of progressive and social change and protect overall protection and, and respect for, for workers in hospitality is, is getting that education and being able to talk about it in a way that's not super scary. Um, and that's, that's inviting and inviting change in a positive way. You know, um, what I'm, I'm doing this to get that education and change in place and to spark these important conversations. I'm in no way intending to name names and point fingers and kind of get, and get angry. And whilst I am angry, that's not the intention behind what I'm doing. You know, I'm, I'm doing this to like inf- enforce real change. So I'm, I'm, I'm moving in a pretty quick capacity. I'm kind of blown away by how much attention I've gotten from government bodies um, and they, they want to help fight the fight, which is really incredible. So I'm really hoping to, to be able to facilitate that. Wow, Jamie, that's really so incredible. I mean, do you think that there's something in the hospitality industry that makes um, this kind of behaviour particularly prevalent or rife, or do you think it's a you know it's 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 a sector of society where we know that you know there is sexual assault and harassment and bullying everywhere in society? But do you, do you think hospitality is a special site? Yeah, it is. There's so many layers to that question because uh, in one in one regard, um, that lots of different industries and other sectors of the workplace have kind of gone through their own reform in terms of addressing sexual harassment culture, whether that's in parliament, you know, whether that's in the school system um, with the mandating of consent education running through nationally next year, whether y- you see all these media heads talking about issues of consent and sexual harassment and abuse culture. You know, Grace Tame, Chanel Contos would teach us consent. Um, and and all of these industries and all of these workplaces that used to facilitate the same type of, type of culture doesn't really fly anymore. Um, you know, look at law firms, look at uh, banks, look at newspapers. Um but at the same time, this conversation's never happened in hospitality. I don't know if that's because it's viewed as a as a service industry and a second class industry. Um, you know, there's probably lots of factors that have contributed to this to this culture. It's also, you know, that it's important talking about the the culture of the chef culture within hospitality as well, where there can be some really toxic practices and environments and cultures happening where a lot of chefs um, experienced toxic culture themselves uh, and from their bosses and from the people teaching them as apprentices. Um, And then it's a part of a vicious cycle, right? So then, you know, once they become, they get into positions of power, they kind of enforce that same abuse that they got because that's the way it, it was. So that's the way it always has to be. So it's about breaking that cycle and addressing it and, and having these conversations because then what's happening in the kitchen 
these chefs also enforce that on front of house staff, um, on bartenders. Um, it's also a tricky one because a lot of the time, the hospitality industry, you're friends with your bosses, you're friends with the venue managers. You're also drinking, um, together. Your the boundaries are a lot more blurred than other industries are, um, and a lot of the time. They're late nights. They're late nights. You have a knockoff after work, which is normal in any industry. But um, what's, you know, what for some is a 5 p.m. knockoff after work. If you're working late night hours, that knockoff is 3 a.m. sometimes. Um, and so when it's late night hours and alcohol's involved and drugs are involved and lines are blurred, things get messy and they get really cloudy. Um, so, th- yeah, there's so many factors that contribute to it, I think it's important to to acknowledge that it's not just one thing. It's a series of things that kind of create this toxic cycle. I think it, it's really interesting that you talk about this, you know, these cycles where people perpetuate behaviour that was in, enacted on them. And, you know, I, I think, you know, I've spoken to a lot of chefs who would like to do things differently, but in the heat of the moment they don't have the equipment, the wherewithal, the strategies to actually have different kinds of conversations or, or let out anger and stress in a way that is um, productive and, and not damaging. I mean, what kind of lessons have you learnt, you know, from your studies or from, I know you've worked in schools teaching respectful relationships and consent, like what kind of strategies or, or practical um uh, equipment can we have as people to create better behavior? Uh, support. Support is number one. You know, if you're experiencing stress in a workplace, if you're experiencing stress amongst co-workers, it's really important to be able to have a support system and someone to be able to talk to about this and normalize that. You know, the stigma around mental health and abuse and um, how hard and stressful a workplace can be, especially during COVID, it's quite unbearable. And hospitality as a sector has really copped the brunt of the pressure from COVID. You know, um, everyone's overworked, everyone's understaffed. Um, you don't really have the capacity to take a step back and look after your own mental health in the state of a crisis. Um, so support and being able to talk about it, normalizing it within a workplace and within a venue and being able to say, Hey, this is really hard. And here are some tools that you can have. And here are some tools in order to help your own mental health and talk about things, um, is definitely one of them. Education is another one and being educated on, on how to look after your mental health, but also how to identify, harassment and toxic behaviors, whether that's in your personal life or if it's in workplace. And I think that there hasn't really been access to this education within the hospitality sector. So I think that's a really, really important step forward in enacting this positive change is being able to access education um, in order to in order to in order to do better. Um, I think they're two really, really important ones. A lot of what we've talked about is stuff that happens within a workplace, you know, between workers. What about between customers and staff? Did you have a lot of stories that people came forward with about, um, yeah, like uh, awful situations with customers? 
yeah, there are some in there for sure. For sure. Um, that's That's been something that I've had to experience quite a bit working um, as a young woman in, in the hospitality scene, especially within the nightlife scene. Um, I think that they kind of go hand in hand with patron to staff member abuse and harassment whilst also the harassment and abuse that goes on inside the organisation between staff members, if not from a venue owner on a staff member. Um, I think that they they all tie in with each other um, and, ab- and about how to protect staff overall. Um, whilst there have been a lot of people coming forth with stories stories on patrons, um, assaulting them or abusing them, whether that's verbal or physical because, you know, s- sexual assault and harassment can be both verbal and physical. Um, it doesn't always have to be the extreme of something like rape, for example, which a lot of people assume sexual assault to be. Um, one of the biggest links that I've found in all of the testimonies have been that um, if something happens and if, if a case of abuse or assault happens on a staff member and they try to tell the manager on shift or they try to tell the venue owner um, or confine in a staff member, nothing's done about it. And that's the biggest issue, I think, is that nothing is done about this abuse that's happening in the workplace because if it's happening in a venue, it is the venue's responsibility to keep both patrons and their staff members safe. Like that's kind of bare minimum is to make sure that if you're a staff member, you're safe in your workplace um, or it should be the bare minimum. The the thing that I've really noticed the most, which is pretty heartbreaking, is that venues are brushing it under the rug. They're brushing it under the rug. They're not acknowledging it. They're, they're essentially giving the mentality that this is the way it is. Suck it up. Um, and it's it's so prevalent. Like it's just most of the testimonies I'm getting have, have had these same linked correlations of tried to tell the venue, the venue did nothing about it, you know, and then the, the person trying to come forward and report a crime or harassment or abuse in their workplace are getting silenced. It's getting brushed under the rug. They're getting bullied out or they're getting fired. Um, and, a lot of this is happening in, in big groups, you know, so venue venues that are groups that own quite a few venues um, within the industry. So if you come out as a troublemaker by trying to um, do something about the abuse that you've experienced or the assault that you've experienced and you are a, you're, you're branded as a troublemaker and therefore you can't get any work within that group, if not the industry, I mean, Adelaide hospitality is very small. You know, everyone knows everyone. Um, so if you're branded as a troublemaker, you can't get work anymore, and that's a huge issue. That's super corrupt. Um, uh, yeah, mm, it's 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 really it's really quite depressing because I mean when yeah. you're when you experience something, you know it's wrong, but um, when you report it, it's minimised. That's such a you know, there's so much shrinking that goes on with that, isn't there? Like that whole sort of, you know, suck it up and move on. Um, I mean, 
I don't know. I mean, you mentioned, you know, how tough things are at the moment and how tough they've been for the you know past couple of years and this, you know, perpetually understaffed environment. Do you feel like even out of self-interest, this is a moment where businesses will um, see the value in looking after workers better, standing by them, um, you know, helping them through, um, yes, situations? Absolutely. I really hope so. And I think that that's again reflective of how big Not So Hospitable has gotten is that people are really wanting to make a change. That's the thing that, you know, I think that's one of the, the, if you have to look at the silver linings of something like the pandemic, it's made everyone really slow down and really, really be able to identify these, these toxic behaviors um, that, that we were living through on a day-to-day basis, you know, moving so fast, being overworked, um, um, using drugs and alcohol to, um, you know, to numb a certain situation or kind of avoid it. Um, and I think, I think that this is just a byproduct of, of, of that, of that behavior and that reflection, you know, as a society. Um, I really, I really believe that a lot of things need to change in order to keep people protected in the hospitality industry. Um, it's interesting because, some of the the feedback I've been getting from, um, to be honest, it's mostly um, venue owners or big groups or um, quite powerful just people in positions of power. Um, the feedback I've been getting is, oh, the hospitality industry has been going through enough as it is. Why are you doing this? You know, why are you making it worse? And my reaction to that is like, look, I mean, if someone gives me feedback like that or pushback, I really see it as an opportunity to have a conversation with someone. Um, and whilst it might be uncomfortable, it's important to have these uncomfortable conversations and kind of really unpack that and ask people why their mentality is automatically that, you know what I mean? Um, but at the end of the day, the day, addressing these really toxic behaviors that are so prevalent, they are happening because it's reflective in the amount of testimonies I've received, you know, like the, like the numbers speak for themselves. Um, but, but, but what I really want to try and encapsulate in terms of like why I'm doing what I'm doing is that this is a win-win for everyone. This is not a win-lose situation, like enforcing education and enforcing protection on staff members and dismantling toxic behaviors is overall going to make the industry thrive, you know, and, and, and that's, that's it at the end of the day. It's like, people don't need to be scared of these conversations. They're uncomfortable. Yes. They're uh, at times quite triggering. Yes. But at the end of the day, this is, this is moving towards positive change and that's going to help the industry thrive in a way that it never has before. I also feel like, you know, it's a way for employers to be um, a workplace of choice if um, you can demonstrate to staff and potential staff that you've gone through this training and um, if you have that that badge structure that you mentioned, you Mm -hmm. know, that people have, um, yeah, an awareness and hopefully their actions follow of... um, yeah, you know, what behaviour is actually toxic and, and how to stamp it out. Absolutely. It's the same, it's the same kind of mentality as, um, you know, being sustainable and ethical in, you know, the food that you create or the way that you operate as a business. Um, people are really, as a culture, 
we're really interested in in sustainability and, and the ethics behind a business now. It's conscious consumerism at this point, you know, where consumers are really finely tuned and aware to ask about workplace practices and ask where your food is being sourced from and if you're being ethical and that and that also comes into play with how you treat your staff and making sure your staff are protected. Um, so again, I think it's 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 making the industry stronger. It's important. Um, Jamie, I'd love to ask you a bit more about yourself because I mean, it's your pathway has been so interesting. You've got so many different strands to to what you do. I mean, what what was it that um, took you into the the post grad studies in sexology? I've always been interested in um, in this realm. I've always been really interested in human sexuality, education, and advocacy. Um, I, I have a sexologist in the family, so conversations around human sexuality and consent and um, that's that was normalised at a pretty early age. Um, it was something that we, we talked about around the dinner table. Um, so I think because of that, I've, I've grown up being quite confident in being able to have conversations around the full breadth of human sexuality, which includes consent and respect and respectful relationships and how to live life with with really beautiful relationships. Um, I find, I think relationships are the most important part of, of human life is having really nurturing and fulfilling relationships whether that's with family or with a partner or with friends or with work colleagues. Um, and yeah, it, it got to the point where I went, no, nah, I actually want to study this. I want this to be my career. Um, I want to make, this is, this is my way of making change in the world. Um, and, I'll just, I'll never have a boring day. Let me put it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I mean, did that make you a, a sort of advocate ahead of your time in the hospitality industry when you were experiencing some of these um, things that we've been talking about? Um, I mean, oh, when this first started happening to me, I didn't really have my voice the way that I do now. Um, like I personally have experienced harassment in the workplace and that was fully brushed under the rug. Um and I was a baby then. I'm 26 now. I was 20, 20, I don't know. I was, I was super young. Um, and so I, I didn't have my voice. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know my rights. I wasn't I educated in the space. And I think through my lived experience, that's really motivated me to educate myself so I can educate others and do it in a way um, that doesn't have to be scary. Like I just invite these conversations in and I want to tackle it head on in a way that doesn't doesn't need to be as intimidating or frightening as a lot of people think it is. Mm, yeah. it's. I mean, you're just making me think of, you know, uh, passing things on and legacies and, you know, we, you know, when we talk about some of this toxic kitchen culture, then that gets passed on. But I think, you know, what, what you're able to pass on is, um, yeah, so powerful and, and so positive that's um, – yeah, it's really inspiring. Um, Jamie, it's just, yeah, it's so great to connect with you and I'm, I'm so impressed with, with the work that you're doing. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to tell the Dirty Linen audience? Thank you. Um, have these conversations in your workplace. Um, really take the initiative to to be a part of this change, you know, like it, and this is anywhere around Australia because if it's happening in Adelaide at Tamworth, it's happening around the rest of Australia. Um, so whether you work in hospitality in any section, if you make wine, if you own a venue, if you manage a venue, if you're a staff member in a venue, 
open up these conversations with your staff. Ask what they need. Ask how you can do better. Um, having the conversations is just the first step in in really enacting positive change. So I really invite you to start having these conversations with people, friends, family members around the dinner table, having a wine after work. Um, it's it's the most important thing you can do and it's a lot easier than you think it is. Wow. Is it easier than you think it is? I mean, it gets easier. <laughs> it gets easier, but it's okay because everyone feels quite uncomfortable about it and quite awkward about it. So you can acknowledge that as well as a part of the process because the more you talk about it, the more you normalize these conversations, the less scary it is. Love that. Yeah, so true. The first conversation you have is probably going to be the hardest one you'll ever have. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it does get easier. I used to be really awkward about it too, but it gets better. Love it. Jamie, thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom with us today. Um, all power to you. And um, yeah, congratulations on the change that you're creating. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was um, great talking to you. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.